Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Uh, what we're going to talk about now does involve SEX. Some people might want their elderly aunt to listen to this or whatever. Uh, it's entirely up to you. Now, are we still mired in Catholic guilt when it comes to sex? Clarity Mills is American but has lived here for six years and she says we still have a little bit of a way to go, at least when it comes to embracing our kinky side. Clarity is a professional dominatrix and sex educator. Clarity, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Sean. How are you? Not too bad. Right, so... What does a dominatrix do? Because I suppose everybody will have a vision that you're, you know, you just whip people. <laughs> yeah, then we can thank Hollywood for that stereotype. Um, so, so there is some whipping sometimes, if that makes sense. But more often than not, what we do is we work with individuals, couples, or people who are working on improving their sex lives. And what we do is we use tools and techniques of BDSM, so bondage, domination, discipline, sadomasochism, to try and work with individuals to help them kind of self-actualize. It's kind of like a lot like life coaching, actually. Right. Okay, so they say it's a couple. The couple will come to you and say there's something missing or we want to, you know, we want to try uh, a bit of sadomasochism, but we don't know how it works. Uh, Yeah. It can be all kinds of cases. I mean, people think of kinksters, people who are into the lifestyle or the scene, as we would call it as like these freaks, you know, I'm, I own an IT consulting company by day and I work with multi-billion multinationals. It's very boring and techie. A lot of the people who are in this lifestyle, couples that would come to me have kids and mortgages and, you know, the same kind of troubles that the rest of us do. But oftentimes the people I work with more increasingly these days are usually suffering from some kind of dysfunction. So for example, there's a couple I'm working with where one party had a pro- their prostate removed from prostate cancer. And so what happens to their sex life after that when you can no longer get an erection? Like, and, you know, when they went to their doctor, the doctor gave them a pamphlet and said, yeah, good luck. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so, <laughs> so those are the kind of folks that I work with. Or I'm like, sex doesn't have to be this PNV kind of what the, you know, the church told us it, would, it ought to be for the purpose of procreation. There's lots of different ways it can look. And so we're kind of, you know, it's it's almost like playing for adults. It's, it can look like role playing. It can look like power exchange. It can look like sensory play. It can look like all different kinds of things that are not overtly sexual, but actually really stimulate people in a way that they haven't, they often haven't been before. Mm. What is what's power exchange mean? Yeah, that's a great question. So power exchange is actually what I would argue is at the core of kink and BDSM, and probably all sexual interactions, right? And in, in you know, like famous. Irishman Oscar Wilde said, everything in life is about sex except for sex. Sex is about power. So power exchange is changing the normal dynamic that you would typically have. So, for example, if one person in the party, like say you're a long-term married couple, one person typically initiates, one person typically determines which positions or what kind of activities happen, you would call that, in in my parlance, we would call that person kind of like the top or the dominant, the Mm -hmm. one who kind of sets the tone. And so power exchange is when we flip those roles. So the person who is normally the bottom or the, the more submissive takes and asserts their own control. And it changes that power dynamic in that relationship. And it can be really fun and titillating and exciting for people to do, not just in the bedroom, but also in other areas of their life. Um, because so oftentimes, like in our work, we have to be, you know, on and in charge. And so it's really nice to unplug and, and when you're with your, you know, partner or in your 
an intimate space at home. It's really fun to do. Right. And I'm that's sure, at the I'm, core of BDSM. Yeah, I'm sure unplug wasn't a pun uh, on your part. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. but, but actually, on that point, do you have clients who, because I, I have read this, that, that, that uh, uh, there are people who would be like super, you know, uh, um, professional people. They run multinational corporations. Yeah, they have to successful. make all the decisions about everything. And so they go to a dominatrix mm-hmm. where they can't make any decisions at all. Absolutely. And it makes total sense, right? I mean, we, we saturate ourselves in being on, and if irrespective of, irrespective of your sex life or whatever domain of your life, it's always nice to take a break. So if you're always, you know, super mom or super dad, it's really nice to have somebody else mind the children and you get to go and play. And I mean, play like go to yoga. I mean, play like go to Zumba. I mean, mm. play like go to do a Prosecco and paint class. Adults need play spaces and kink is just a, a type of play space for adults. Yeah. Is it necessarily always about sex or, or you know, is it a, can it be a, just a thing in itself? That's such a great question. Yeah, it's actually definitely not always about sex. I mean, again, it depends on how one person would define sex versus another. But absolutely, it's not overtly sexual. In fact, most of the ex- I, that we I do or the type of play that I engage with with people would not look overtly sexual to anybody whatsoever. <laughs> And, and and but that's exactly the fun of it is it, it, it that's the reason why we call it play versus sex. Um, don't don't get me wrong. There are definitely times, and depending on the dynamic and the relationships, there's always a space for that as well. But it really depends on the dynamic and the individuals. For myself, I don't have what you would consider to be sex with my clients ever, but I do do weird sexy kind of mind games, you know, mm. that sort of thing. Right. And do they always know what you're going to do? Or no. can part of it be, I don't want you to know what you're going to do? You only hit the nail on the head. Yeah, the surprise and the suspense is actually the biggest biohack. I mean, at the end of the day, kink is a biohack, just like yoga and meditation, all these other things are biohacks, right? It induces a parasympathetic nervous system response where you get dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, endorphins, all these great feel-good chemicals. And... At the end of the day, dopamine is actually built not in the actual act, but in the anticipation of the act. So it's not the riding of the roller coaster that gets you the most dopamine, it's the anticipation of it. Mm. And so using surprise and having individuals not know what's going to happen is a great biohack to get um, that dopamine level up. Yeah. It hits the nail on the head. Does that put a certain amount of stress on you then that you have to come up with new things all the time? Oh, no, I'm very creative. Okay. Because <laughs> you imagination. I've been doing it for a very long time, in, in fairness, too. I've been doing it for about two decades, so I, I, I can keep... I, right. I, I but you, you, like, you, there's no risk that you'll have a client who's, who's coming to see you for a year, and they go, you did that last March. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but more often, more often than not, it's the opposite, which is, remember that thing you did last March? Can we do it again? <laughs> <laughs> do you... And, like, in, so in, the, in the arc of that, when you're working with the individual clients, is it... Mm-hmm. Do they reach a point where, if in a way, they don't need you anymore, that they, they've got what they need from it? Oh, that's a great question as well. Yeah, absolutely. My object is always to engineer my obsolescence. And what I mean by that is I would like people to not want to play with me anymore and only play with their partners or other people in their real lives. That is always my object. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, yeah, And I know it's how long is a piece of string, but how long can that take for people? Depends on what we're working on. So, for example, when we talk about, like, um, the dynamic I was telling you where um, a medical necessity, where somebody has, like, a hysterectomy or prostate removal or something like that, and they're trying to get creative. I mean, maybe a couple sessions, one, two, three, maybe, max. 
And then it's just to start to ignite the imagination of the people that I work with. And once they get, once they hit the ground running, they're off, you know, they're right. off like a light. And okay. Right. Yeah. But I mean, but I assume apart from, you know, people who may um, have encountered individual diff or uh, collective difficulties uh, in terms mm-hmm. of sex life or they want to change it, I assume you just get mm-hmm. people who just like that kind of thing and they can't give you a reason why particularly there's no other problem oh. in their life. Absolutely. And I, I turned down probably, like I said, I have another career. I built an e-com platform in this space called kinkify.me and I I um absolutely have like another life. I don't need the money. And hmm. I turned down more people, like I've turned down nine out of 10 people who come and seek me out. At the end of the day, I'm really interested in like the life coaching, like helping people kind of accelerate and, and elevate their lives in this space. But there's loads of people who will do and I'm also I should put a side note on this I'm also in the lifestyle and what I mean by that is I live this in my private life as well I just keep a very clear separation between the play that I do with individuals and the play that I do for my own self for my own life okay all right Um, can I ask what that involves for you personally living the life yeah so I I host a lot of events Um, so meetups which we call munches like lunch with an M and that's basically what we would call a vanilla. Vanilla is the opposite of kink. A vanilla clothes gathering, like in a pub, people meet and just connect and network. And there's tons of them all over Dublin, Limerick, Cork, Galway. They're happening every week, every month, for sure, in all of these places. So I help coordinate those types of events. I also do workshops and play parties that I've hosted. So back in October, it was aired on Lucy Kennedy, and she she came to one of my play parties that I hosted here in Dublin. You should come sometime, Sean, actually. They're quite fun. I think you'd like it. How do you know I haven't been to them? <laughs> Touche, sir. <laughs> I would recognize you. Uh, no, not necessarily. Uh, <laughs> I have an astonishing set of wigs. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, <laughs> the, uh, and so, uh, like, in, in the time you've been here, has the King community grown? Oh, it's doubled. Yeah, at least doubled since I've been here. Now, I come from L.A., which is a city of 13 million people and a county of 18 million. It's comparable to London as far as how long and large the scene is. But, for example, Nivnock, which is, I guess, the Irish word for poison, is an event that's been happening here for 25 years. It's actually happening this coming Saturday. And that's been ongoing for 25 years. But I have noticed personally that the scene, the lifestyle has doubled, if not tripled, since I first moved here six years ago, which is really encouraging to see. Okay. Are there any particular aspects, are there any particularly Irish kinks, if you know what I mean, or things the Irish tend uh, tend to be more fond of? Yeah, it's great that you asked that. So when you look at the cultural placement of kinks, for example, in like the UK, and this would also be relevant to Ireland, you'd see spankos. So these are people who like to spank or be spanked. Mm. And you saw a huge uh, predominance of that as a particular kink. Up until the 1980s, corporal punishment was allowed in public schools. And then in the 1980s and onwards, it sort of tapered off. So as corporal punishment wasn't allowed in school, you notice the prevalence of people who are into that as a kink decrease. Right. Uh-huh. So anybody who's like Gen X and older would be very likely to still be spankos. Not to say, don't get me wrong. It's not to say that younger people aren't spankos too. But oftentimes where kink comes from, the birthplace of it is in shame and in unresolved kind of um, development. Like, so your sexual identity forms when you're a child, like in Freudian psychology, from birth to the end of puberty, say like 18 years old. And th- it's like a record being poured and that creates your sexual identity and your preferences. And they very rarely change throughout your life. You can add more, but you very rarely lose the ones that you originally had. So in Ireland, you'll see the same kind of thing where older generations will be more spankos because they had more corporal punishment in schools. 
younger generations, you'll have more rise of femdom, for example, because it was typically more of a patriarchal kind of culture here historically. So a way for that to work out in the kink space is for women to assert themselves as the dominance. And for every one female dominant, which I would be one, right, for instance, there's like 10,000 male submissives. So that's also very massively popular here. Also in Ireland, I notice a huge problem, predominance of uh, cross-dressing in transvestites, which is great. So TV CD scene is really robust here, um, which makes a lot of sense considering that the Catholic Church didn't leave a lot of space for um, gender expression. Mm. Right? I actually, do you work with members of the LGBT community? Or, or, I do ma- massively. Yeah, I'm hugely involved in the LGBT community um, and all of their events. And and uh, honestly, it's just one big continuum. Kink would be just another letter in the alphabet. <laughs> yes, I suppose so. <laughs> honestly, the K at the end of the Q. <laughs> yeah. Ah, yeah. There'll probably be there'll probably be a new kink soon where a certain generation just queue up and try to buy houses. Uh, um. <laughs> Exactly. So you can look out for that one. Clarity, thanks a million for uh, speaking with us today. Uh, that was Clarity Mills there. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.